at SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Okay, Coach is on the line. Coach, good evening. Thanks for speaking to us and joining us here on SAFM tonight. I hope you're well, Coach. Coach, can you hear us now? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, thank you, Coach. Apologies for that, folks. Just a connection problem here. I am coming from our other studio in Cape Town. Coach, um, are you back in training? How are things in the off-season? Yeah, obviously, I heard your introduction, and it's great to be on your on your show, Tavisa. And you know, as much as we rely on technology, sometimes obviously you've got to accommodate load sharing. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it, it's something that we have to get used to. Um, yeah, we've uh, pretty much uh, come tomorrow. We will finish the first week of our preseason. Um, obviously, uh, we've been notified that our season will start a little bit later, so we've got a bit of time to look at players and get the players ready to go come uh, 2nd of September. And does that change your plans a bit? I'm sure you would have planned for pre-season and how many weeks we have before the season starts and if there's an extension to the start of the season, does it change? How mm. does it change things? No, you're definitely you're correct in saying that everybody, because we got a circulation in June that the league will start 20 August and you know most clubs, even some clubs went back the middle of June and we started the beginning of July, you know, to give us six, seven weeks uh, in order to prepare for the new season. So, it, it throws it a bit out uh, with another two weeks. So we've got to try and find something to do because, you know, we only, you know, well, I might as well say a Motsepe Foundation team, league team in Cape Town. Um, and now we can't play PSL teams here because they'll be in the league uh, started already. Sure, that's an interesting dynamic. And how do you look mm. at the first, I won't say the first season, it must have been seven months since you've been in charge, coach. How do you look yeah. back at that? It's always difficult for a new coach to come in. Um, at the time, obviously, we found ourselves in a very difficult position, bottom of the log, um, trailing by a few points. So priority was to get the team away from relegation uh, and see how far we could climb up. Um, you know, as, as you know, I've said it a few times to the owners, we we played really well in the second half of the season. No team outplayed us. We showed even in the last two games against the Richest Bay and Tux, we can compete with the best. You know, number one and two. Uh, but uh, I think we just drew too many games um, as far as the second round were concerned, and that too was off a bit. So we've got to build on that and, and try and push on as hard as we can. Uh, I might as well t- say, you, say to you as well, the, the goal for this season is promotion back to the PSL, uh, and all the players are already aware of that. And, and what, have you learned, what did you learn about your team in this first seven months or so? Well, I think, you know, I've got a fairly young team, um, I heard you also mention the fact that we've got players in the Gosafa Cup team. So the average age must have been like below 25. Uh, I think last season we started on average about uh, five or six players under the age of 23, which is great for us as a club uh, and good for the players um, in order to gain experience. But you've also, as a coach, then have to accommodate the fact that you're not going to win as many games. So we're trying to... Uh, Obviously, by the signings we've made so far, we've signed a few more experienced players, and hopefully those players will be able to push the younger ones a little bit harder in order to have that winning mentality to convert those draws into more wins. And and you've lost a bad nigger now. He's gone to Sukukune. How big a blow is that? Is it something you are prepared for? Yeah, I think, you know, it was always difficult to lose a, a player of his quality. Um but I think uh, Abednego has always been, you know, looking to go to PSL team and see how he can further his career. So, uh, as a club, we didn't want to stand in his way. Um, we all wanted him to give 
to give him that opportunity to go see uh, if he can, you know, and, and pursue that uh, PSL career. So he's definitely going to be one of those players that we're going to miss uh, with his speed and goals that he scored from a, a win, uh, sort of a, a, in a wide position, if I can put it that way. And I think you've kept him longer than most people expected because he was top scorer yeah. the, uh, one season and people thought he would move, but he stayed there with the Cape Town Spurs. And what can mm. you just tell us, coach, about Kumani Butsaka, who's part of the Kosafa Cup now? Yeah, quite excited, uh, you know, obviously for him to, to be part of the national team. Um, I think uh, in the few months I've been with him, he's a true professional. He's quite exciting. He's versatile also. He can play as a winger and as a left back. So, I think the, he's got a lot of years on his side. Um, he's got some speed, good eye for goal as well. So I think uh, come next season, he'll be one of the core players for us as captain Spurs in order to get results. And hopefully he can also produce good performances during the Kasafa Cup for Bafana uh, Bafana. And you've also got Link on the goalkeeper. I think he was part of the last squad. How has mm. his development been? Yeah, I think it's always good. I think, uh, you know, I always say to players, it's about consistency, whether you play for the club or the national team. So it's good to see Lincoln back in the fold again. Um, in my opinion, I think he's one of the best, you know, up-and-coming goalkeepers. I've never seen a goalkeeper that can kick so hard both left and right. And he's obviously, his height is an added advantage and he's a great shot stopper. So I've said to him, you know, he's got to use his platform to make sure he can go to the next level and I can honestly see him in, in, in a European club in a few years' time. Okay, let's see how they perform at Kosafa. Coach Halman Kalel has gone for a very young team, exciting team there. And and, and Coach, on that note of you still being at Cape, at Cape Town Spurs, do you, does it feel like you've come full circle now? Having started at Cape Town Spurs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said to the players the other day, you know, it's, it, it, sometimes it works out in, in ways you, don't, you can't even imagine because this is exactly the year I made my debut for, for Cape Town Spurs 30 years ago, 1992 is when I joined the club. So, it's, uh, like you said, I've gone full circle from playing for the club 30 years ago to now being the head coach and obviously pursuing a, fa- a promotion back to the PSL where this club uh, belongs. So, um, I'm happy to be back. Uh, it was, you could say, an emotional decision also for me to come back because... I wanted to see how far I can help and, and take the club uh, as far as promotion and higher level were concerned. Mm, and maybe take them to the glory days of the Cape Town Spurs mm. that did a league and cup double. What made that team so special, Coach Sean? Yeah, again, you know, it's something that maybe in the current day and age you're not allowed uh, in the sense where we had that team for about two, three years together. You know, we made maybe one or two uh, additions to the team, but that that's a squad that stayed together for almost three years before you know, I think a lot of people during that time will also remember we, we lost the league in, in 94, sort of on a boardroom decision, if you can mm. put it that way. Uh, and the next season we won the double. So there's no coincidence in that, that obviously we were quite consistent. Um, and the Joburg teams used to hate playing us. Um, we had an unbelievable team as far as quality were concerned, you know, from the back to the front. And a good mixture also of experience and young players. David Mudisa always says he made you look good. Yeah, well, I had to score the goals, you know. Um, uh, any striker will tell you they need somebody to feed them. So, But they still need that striker to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, David will also tell you, I never played striker. So David was playing as our uh, creative player, the 10. Mm. And I was on the one wing and Roger Lupia on the other wing. So uh, it's only when I got called up for the national team that I was, that was put as a striker. That's what I wanted to ask. Is is did your former Cape Town Spurs then get you into the national team? And you must have been young at that stage. 
Yeah, I was probably I was probably uh, 20 years old. Um, remember during those days, also we used to play the Four Nations tournament, oh. where we you know, swim before nations. You invite other countries, and those were actually great preparation for us um, as young players coming into the national team. And I think my second Four Nation, when we played Zimbabwe, I scored a couple of goals, and we had Egypt as well. So. I think that sort of gave me a, a, a nice foundation to compete with the likes of Mark Williams and Phil Masinga. Mm. And did you see yourself making that AFCON squad? How was it when you made the squad? Yeah, I was very surprised. Uh, obviously, at the time, there was a lot of you know great strikers ahead of me, like I said, with Mark and Phil and even Daniel Madau. So it was unbelievable strikers during that time. You know, Jerry Sikosana at Pirates. So for me to have made that squad, Brendan Augustine was my first roommate. So... Oh. No, uh, it was a great year to to compete with some of the best players in in the country, um, and even just rolling those names off my tongue, it, it gives me goosebumps because uh, those were quality players, you know, and in every aspect of of being a professional. And and I asked you about Cape Town Spurs, what made that team so special? What mm. we've had a lot of stories over the years with the Spafana '96 squad, but in in your opinion, what made it so special, and that everybody I think was able to understand their role and clicked. But again, it's the same thing. Um, that 96 squad was together for three, four years, you know, from the Four Nations tournament, you know, playing different, obviously, qualification games and, you know, and then eventually going into the tournament, I think just playing in front of your home crowd. I think that, um, you know, is one of the best, probably, I would say, 12 men, men you can get uh, as far as football are concerned. And, you know, Clyde Barker play, played a massive part, you know, uh, as far as getting the team to gel together, you know, again. Everybody's, uh, you know, will tell you nowadays it's like that team really represented South Africa, whether it be, you know, from backgrounds or culturally or racially, it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, when it comes to playing football, we produce on the field. And I think, uh, yeah, the other, other motivation without a doubt had to be uh, Nelson Mandela because, you know, every time he came to the hotel, we just felt so honored and we had to go out and, and produce the best performances not just for him, but for the people that he always made us aware uh, about uh, that who we're playing for. And and besides the final coach, which 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 game would you say was probably the best performance of the team? I know a lot of people talk about the. I think it was a three 0 win over Ghana. Mm. It's got to be that game because that's pretty much that's the game. Firstly, that I got my opportunity uh, to play, mm-hmm. um, and then secondly, to to make the final, we had to beat the, you know the the great. Uh, Ghanaian team, uh, you know, Babere Pele and Tony Yeboa then. So mm. it, it's maybe something that many people didn't expect at the time. But um, again, we showed a lot of character uh, in that game. And we showed our quality as well to, to, to win a game so convincingly in a semi-final against a country that was seasoned campaigners in the African Cup of Nations. And you scored in that semi-final, right? Yeah, uh, that's always, you know, the, the goal was good. Um if you ask Lucas Gerebe, he'll probably tell you it was a, it was a good pass. Uh, but as far as I can remember, I think he panicked and he just cleared the ball and I just ran you know, onto the ball and managed to hold of the defender to get a strike and go. Yeah, yeah. Phil says he's one of the best assists he's had in his life. <laughs> okay, for those who are just joining us, we're catching up with now coach Sean Bartlett. We've looked back at his current time at Cape Town Spurs. We're just trying to trace back his journey and his career for those who might not know not know the full story. And you mentioned Nelson Mandela, um, coach. I didn't want to go there so early, but I've heard the story of him coming to your wedding. What I can't seem to remember is 
whether you yeah. knew or your wife knew, there was somebody who didn't know, and there was somebody who knew. Uh, the only two people that knew was my wife and I. Um, oh. Obviously, <laughs> having played in America uh, for his granddaughters uh, that were studying that side, and you know, three days before the wedding, I get a call, and it was the strangest call because the person doesn't introduce himself. She just says, oh, my grandfather's upset you didn't invite him to the wedding. And I'm like, and I still ask my wife, I'm like, sure, we invited everybody that's family to the wedding. And, and eventually she came out and says, no, uh, my grandfather, Nelson Mandela. I'm like, but who's going to invite the president, you know, to a wedding? We're going to have the time. And then she said, no, he wants to come. He's in Cape Town. And he told me I must call you uh, and make the necessary arrangements. And he would like to be at your wedding. So... So my wife and I at the time decided that uh, we're actually not going to say anything to anyone. Not even our parents knew that uh, he was coming. So it was uh, it was a strange um, day in the sense, obviously, where to have the president at your wedding, um, I think is one of the greatest honors. And I still say it to this day, it's probably the best wedding gift that uh, I could have received uh, on that day. Wow. And, and what was, was the reaction from the guests then when I would think a motorcade and bodyguards came to the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always, I always make a, a joke with my wife because I was sitting inside and I heard the roar outside and I still said to my, my brother-in-law sitting next to me, I said to him, that's not your sister. <laughs> and and then Nelson walked in. This is not happening. I was here in Maitland in Cape Town mm. and, and Sean Bartlett's wedding. How did this happen? And even our parents, they were absolutely dumbstruck, you know. So they were all walking in. And I think they were just, you know, the presence that he had as well. So um, I think very, very humbling, you know, always a people's man. And even when he walked in, you know, uh, from outside into the church, he was greeting people as he was coming in, you know, not just walking straight to the front and that's it. So I think that's something everybody remembers about. That is an unbelievable story. Nelson Mandela attending your wedding. Eh? Like the coach says, best wedding gift ever. I believe we have so many voice notes here. So before I get carried away, because we still have to get to MLS, to Zoo, to uh, Switzerland and to England. Uh, but let's play a couple of voice notes for Coach Sean Bartlett. 061-4104-107. Before I go to those voice notes, somebody says, you remind me of that Cape Town Spurs team of Francis Shonai, Roger Lupia, Manny Rodriguez, David Mudise, and the maestro Sean Bartlett. Mm. Beautiful to watch there. Okay, let's play voice notes. Yeah, Sean Bartlett. Listen, we we miss strikers like you. Strikers who were always on point, you know, scoring goals like you made it easy. I wish, I wish, I wish more youngsters can 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 can, can come up like um, like to Bafana, Bafana, you know, make it easy to, to, to score. It's difficult for youngsters to score these days. Good evening, Tabiso Katleho, and good evening to Coach Sean, the legend of the game, you know, one of those who were in the class of 96. Remember, my point is especially on the class of 96. Coach Sean uh, came out from that class, and then we know what he did for the country, and then we can still see what he's doing, you know, developing players, he's, he's a coach, but you find a lot of that class, they feel so entitlement, you know, they feel like the country owes them, um, Tabiso. Is it fair 
from the class of 96, the way they want to uh, hold us at gunpoint, you know, as if we owe them. And then some of them, we don't even see what they are doing as compared to uh, Coach Sean. We can see what he's doing. He's developing players, but others are just uh, on a side crying foul always. Is it really fair? Zico Smith from Macau. Good evening, Tabiso. Good evening uh, to Sean in the studio. It's Sandile in Bloemfontein. Uh, I'd like to celebrate Sean for the contribution that he has made to South African football um, as a player and now as a coach. And I think he's still going to make a, a lot of contribution as a, as a coach. Um, the, the question that I would like to ask him is uh, what do you think, Sean, we should do in order for us to produce good quality strikers, uh, goal poachers? And um, because over the years, you, you'd realize that uh, we have not been producing uh, quality strikers um, who can give us uh, 20 plus goals in one season. And uh, what do you think uh, we are doing wrong and what, what do you think we should do in order for us to have those strikers? Thank you, Tabiso. Evening, dear member Tulane from Orlando. You've got a legend. I just hope he makes Radio Pane the top striker in South Africa with his experience as a coach, as a striker also. Thanks. Big up all the best in the league. I just want to see Cape Town Spurs back in the league. So many teams don't have young talent. And Cape Town Spurs is the feed of so many teams here in South Africa. Thanks. Good, Good evening, member. I mean, the guy you have there was one of my mom's favorite footballers. And my mom was a Kaiser Chiefs fan. And I ended up loving Kaiser Chiefs because of my mother. And when he joined Kaiser Chiefs, I mean, she was so happy, so very happy. And I'm from Limpopo and our our hospital before it could really before it could be a hospital, it was a health center and its name was Bartlett. I don't know why they called it Bartlett, but my mom used to call me Spetlele. It simply means hospital because his last name was the same as that of our hospital. This is Siamole in the Tlokwama Talks Limpopo. Ah, Sean Bartlett, it's Isaac here, man. You so wish that uh, those women can just come back and own uh, the team in South African uh, players like Yubafana Bafana. We want that movement again. We, we, we want Nunes and Mandela within the, the squad, you know, you know what I'm saying? That we want that spirit, buddy. Uh, it's no longer there. The, the way we call the coaches, I mean, are coming and going in, in, in the national team, it's bad. But we hope and dream that one day one of our best coaches will be amongst you guys. Thank you, buddy. Keep well. Evening, member. Um, I just wanted to ask Coach Sean there that who is his all-time favorite striker and who does he think, who is his favorite striker currently in the PSL and why does he think that we are struggling to score goals as a country? Yeah, okay, I can see what the hot potato is here, <laughs> Coach. Yeah. But but yeah. before you we go there, I mean, how do you feel when people still remind you of what was done in 96 and just they never forget how you made them feel? Uh, you know my, my my national team Bafana Bafana, and yeah, obviously it gives me goosebumps. You know to to hear people talk about the glory days of uh, Bafana Bafana in '96. Um, 
And like you said, you know, the the common topic here and talking point is always strikers. And even myself, <laughs> ironically, in this position at this moment in time, trying to find the final piece to my puzzle. The striker has produced uh, good performances and goals for Pirates in the DDC, but, you know, still untested at the higher level. I'm hoping, obviously, um, that he can come and do the business. I know one of the the listener said that obviously under me he hopes to be a better mm. to produce a better striker um, I always maintain you know um, whatever knowledge and experience I can pass on it still needs to be taken by the player you know um, and hopefully it comes with the right attitude and work ethic to, to want to be better if he comes and says to me that he wants to be the best player best striker in South Africa I will work with him every day you know in order to make sure that he can get to that level because like everybody knows, I think every coach in this country, if you speak to them, they'll they'll tell you, I'm looking for that striker that can score 15 goals plus. And I'm hoping, obviously, Boyd Tamela will be that player for me come this season. And and why are we not producing those strikers then? That's what everybody mm. wants to know. That's the million-dollar question. If you could solve it, you get a million dollars. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors involved, you know, whether it be, you know, personal desire to to want to succeed, to score goals, uh, whether it's handling the pressure, because you you know also in South Africa, there's a lot of pressure on players uh, that are supposed to score goals. Because if you don't score, you'll see the reaction from the fans. And you know, at some clubs they have five or six strikers, and if you don't produce, you go to number six, and the other five of players get opportunities. So it's it's a stressful sort of environment. I think sometimes the young players can't handle that. So we. enough of our players that takes the job very seriously. I've always maintained and said that I believe there are better quality players in this country than in England. But in England, Ooh. it's a proper job. It's a proper job where we... Yes. Oh, I think Lord Schwering is getting us again yeah. there. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, coach. And coach, we just—I know we're gonna get stuck in this topic from for a yeah. while, but we—I want to go back to your career. We're still on Afcon '96, and then mm. is that what kickstarted your move to the MLS? Because you went when the MLS was was starting. Is that where they saw you? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, because uh, ironically, the guy that sort of scouted myself and Dr. Kamalo, um, he lived in America, but he was a South African. His father lived in Port Elizabeth, um, so he came across, and he was part of the whole management structures of the MLS when they started in 96 and obviously that time also they wanted to have players from around the world if I can put it that way. We had players from Colombia, South America, you know, we had players from Venezuela, from Brazil, uh, we had uh, Italian, um, you know, Don Adoni. So obviously having somebody from Africa or South Africa, he found that uh, the two of us, that doctor and myself, could add a bit of value to you know, the new league starting in, in America. So that's how we got scouted. And the national team or AFCON 96 definitely uh, sort of gave me, a, you know, a springboard and elevated uh, my career uh, quite quickly.
And and how was that experience? First season of the MLS football in America. It must have been a huge thing. <laughs> soccer, it soccer was, as they call it. It was, it was very very different. Um, to be honest, um, you know, like you said, it, it was something new for them. Uh, the funniest thing was uh, there'll be thirty forty thousand people in the stadium, uh, and most of them wouldn't understand the rules or anything about soccer, but they were there supporting the sport. And I think <laughs> that is something maybe the Americans are quite good at. You know, selling. The marketing aspect of, of any sport, they quite amazing uh, in how to get people to come and support the sport. So I think uh, it was a bit of an eye-opener for me. And even the first season, because we we had rules where to make it more exciting for the fans, There's not mm. there was never a draw, so you couldn't draw games. Uh, there was no 0-0, 1-1 or any draw. So at the end of every game and it's 1-1, you, you choose five players. And outside the big circle, you've got to run with the ball, and you have five seconds to go and score against the goalkeeper. That. You had a you would have a one on one with the keeper. Yeah, that's correct. One on one, but you had five seconds, and believe me, that five seconds goes very, very quickly once the referee blows his whistle. It's a lot more stressful than taking a normal penalty. I can imagine, I can imagine, that's crazy. But I seem to remember a little bit of that. I just want to fast mm. forward to World Cup 98, Coach. Another yeah. first playing in a World Cup in France. Mm. How was that experience mm. for you? Yeah, again, you know, I had to wait for my chance because um, the, the coach at the time, Philippe Trezier, chose to to select uh, Benny and Fole that was playing in Europe mm. at the time. I I had a loan spell with Captain Spurs, so he obviously felt that uh, these two players were suitable for the World Cup. So. Uh, and then Paul got an injury um, in the next game, so I was asked to to, to start, and I managed to to score two goals in the last game um, against Saudi Arabia. And obviously, it was for me a great opportunity, and and you know, an individual tournament. But for a team, uh, we didn't achieve what we wanted, which was to go to the knockout stages. And. That World Cup is being rem- it's always remembered for PAE sign what happened there. Do you think it took away from, from those two goals, that 2-2 draw against Saudi Arabia? <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's asking, you know, because I scored two goals, but they're telling me, oh, yeah, you, you weren't the top scorer because PAE scored two own goals and then he had, he had a hand and two penalties. And But it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, I don't think he meant any of that. Um, it's just one of the probably worst tournaments that he could have had as a player. Um, but I think for us, there were just too many things maybe away from the field that uh, took focus away from what we were trying to achieve. Okay, still welcome your voice notes on 061-4104-107 and uh, you can call us 011-714-2006. But before we move to Switzerland and to England, we just okay. want to play, I think we've got a clip of those goals from Saudi Arabia. Katleko, which goals do we have? <laughs> And Hughes are in the middle. Bartlett! It's a bit smash and grab from Charlton Athletic, but it means so much to them. 20 minutes gone, most of which has been spent defending and defending very nervously. But suddenly there's Sean Bartlett and the home team have got a priceless opening goal. It's a brilliant cross, great pace on it, great shape, and Bartlett just has to run it in on the far post. Super cross from Ben. Good finish from Bartlett. It's often said that attack's the best form of defence. Sam Kerbishley wants to be controlled attack. He'd love a finish to it. And he's got it! Brilliant. Bartlett. 2-0. Charlton 
this one, well, I tell you what, when they look at goal of the season, this is going to take some beating. If Paolo De Canios wins it last season, then that's right up there with it. What a strike. That's worthy of winning any football match. Saudi Arabia rather square, and they're caught out here by Bartlett, who scores! Aldair looking for the cross. In the end, he's left embarrassed by the pace of the shot. Michelele back to Radibi. Into Bartlett. Shot blocks. 14 Skasana went down. That's a penalty for South Africa. Well, you join us as South Africa are awarded a penalty. Third penalty and an extraordinary finish to this match. Bartlett who scored the first and scores surely the last 2-2 okay we've pulled all out all those goals they even goes the Charlton even that yeah. assist from Lucas bringing back the memories and uh, and how does it feel coach does it take you back no, it's, it's great you know you know, uh, you know obviously being on social media there's a lot of things nowadays yeah. going around and you get reminded the constantly, you know, the Premier League, even the other day were posting, you know, one of the best volleys scored in the Premier League. And it was uh, my goal, the one that was described by Andy Gray and, you know, um, as obviously in the wonder goal of the season as well. So mm. it, it's great to, to... That's correct, yeah. <laughs> it's great. To, and, and, yeah, that's not many people that know this, but obviously guys that played with me growing up and going through my career... That goal was scored with my so-called weaker foot. So again, it's it's just it's proven fact that if you work at something, you know the rewards will come eventually. You know, I had to work on jumping and heading the ball. I had to work on you know getting my left foot better. So I, I, I honestly, I, I absolutely hate it when I hear commentators say, "Oh, that was a shot with his weaker foot. That's why it went over. It went wide." You know, as a professional, you're supposed to you know get better at your craft. So you've got to work and make sure commentators shouldn't say stuff like that and mm. it's very frustrating to hear things like that um, when they talk about modern day uh, footballers yeah. before we go to england um you you went to switzerland also when i mm. do the math it looks like you went there yeah. after the 98 world cup is that where they saw you yeah that's correct um <laughs> again got scout got scouted from the world cup in france and uh I came on holiday with my, my wife and uh, I got told, oh, there's a club in Switzerland that saw you play and they would like to acquire your services. So that's how it came about. Um, obviously, uh, going there was, was great and replacing the striker they had, I think it was a Congolese striker, Shabani Nonda. I think he might have played yes, in South Africa. I remember well. him, Nonda Shabani. So, yes. Yeah, so I had to go there and replace him because he moved to France and yeah, there was a lot of pressure on me to produce uh, from the beginning. So it took a bit of time, but I had a great time in Switzerland, uh, player scoring locally. And, you know, one of the other individual achievements for me was getting eight goals in eight games in the UEFA Cup in UEFA. Uh, at the time. Yeah, And I was with Stanton Fredericks um, today, and he was telling me that they even made you captain at FC Zurich at one stage. Yeah, I was captain for quite a, quite a, quite a while. and. It's obviously not something that's recorded in South Africa, <laughs> but for me it was a great time. Um, I've got a great picture of being captain and standing next to Alan Shearer and playing your way for Cup uh, against Newcastle in England. We, we managed to go and beat uh, you know, um, Glasgow Celtic, uh, and, and we had some great memories in, in Zurich. Um, and Stanton also, Fredericks came, uh, you know, mm. to Switzerland for a few months uh, when he was a grasshopper. Um, mm. 
the opposition. You know, it's almost like the rival of of the, the Zurich team. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great times there. He was telling me a nice story of how you took him out for dinner or you invited him for dinner, you and the family, <laughs> and he felt so welcome there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, having been abroad for, you know, more than 10 years and, and you you encounter fellow countrymen or women, you, you try and make it as comfortable as possible. And I was blessed enough to have that. And I always maintain and say when when young players or players move abroad, they've got to take somebody from home because... The most difficult thing is to go home and there's no one or there's not a home-cooked meal or anything. So the easiest part of being abroad is playing football, being with your team. But the minute you go home, you can get homesick quite easily. And you've got to make sure, obviously, you have that support structure, uh, which I've always had through my wife and kids, uh, through my playing career. We're going to take another quick break. We'll wrap up with the coach and look back at his time at Charlton and scoring against his uh, team, his favorite club, (laughs) Manchester Manchester United. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. And I believe we've got Stiga on the line. Stiga, good evening. Good evening, Tabiso. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thanks. I haven't asked him about his handicap yet, Stiga. Maybe you can ask him about that. But uh, we've got Coach Sean Bartlett. And when I was telling him uh, today that I spoke to you and you speak so highly of him, and especially during your time in Switzerland there. Yeah, Tabiso, you know the gentleman in your studio. Um, you know, when you look back at that... At, uh, at football and, and who inspired you and how they inspired you. Um, the gentleman sitting in front of you is, is a, a true example of that, you know. I think um, when you talk about a, a 24-hour professional, when you talk about a, a officer and a gentleman, it's Sean Bartlett because not only on the field, I'm talking of off the field, how how he sets examples for other footballers to follow suit. Um, he's a family man. Um, and, and one of the things that stand out for me is because my first venture to Europe was to Switzerland. And uh, a young boy from Westbury uh, in this big world, uh, and, and you know that uh, Sean Bassett is also playing his trade in Switzerland, and you get a phone call, and uh, remember, i only seen him from afar. But then you get the call, and he says, uh, what are you doing tonight? Uh, let me have you over to his house, invite him to his house. And then he picks me up, I'll never forget in this uh, Grand Cherokee, big four by four, yeah, real baller, <laughs> by the way. Anyway, get in the car, big watch, and and there's this big person in front of you, and and he greets you. You immediately know that this person sitting across you is here to take care of you, you know. And that is my experience. And he invites me to um, his uh, his house, and uh, his wife cooks a home cooked meal. I'll never forget it was baked potato, crumb chicken. And, you know, just that, that time that he took out to invite me, to bring me into his family space, you know, that really set the tone for the rest of my career because he showed me what it is to pay it forward. He showed me what it is to lead by example, you know, and I will be forever be for grateful and honored to call Sean Bartlett a friend, you know, and, and, and I'm not even going to touch on his achievements. Uh, but just how he carries himself on and off the field is an example to everybody that um, crosses his path. Okay, Stiga, we don't want to make him cry now. But, but, but Coach Sean, <laughs> did you feel that you had, a, you had to play a role as an ambassador for the country when you were overseas? Because mm. I think that's what Stiga yeah. is saying here. No, without a doubt. And that's what, I, that's what I meant earlier, you know. And thanks for those words, Stiga. You know, for me, you know, and, and you know me as a person now after probably 10, 15 years as well, I've, 
I've always maintained and I always have this ambition in life. Whoever comes across my path or I come in contact with is to make a difference. And I say that to my players as well. You know, when you leave my hands, it's not to make you a better player, it's to make a better man. So you've got to get, you know, experiences to carry you throughout life. And I try and make that difference as much as I can. And if I can make that in one person's life, I think I've achieved, you know, a, a great thing already. So um, I'm very humble and, and pleased that obviously uh, Stiga enjoyed his time. Uh, I know he cleaned his plate uh, and maybe even asked for seconds, which was great. Um, because most footballers, you know, they have big appetites. Um, uh, and, and Stiga is one of those guys. But uh, yeah, also, you know, Myself and Stiga, our paths have crossed so many times, um, even on the golf course, like you said about handicap. I'm not going to say what Stiga's handicap, but uh, we do enjoy a day out on, on the green grass and, and playing some good golf. <laughs> he even remembers what he ate on that night. Coach, we can't tell yeah. the story in an hour, so we'll have to tell it again later. But I just want to get a feeling. <laughs> how did it mm. feel just scoring against Man United? Because it's a team you supported. And if my memory serves me right. I, I, one of your interviews, you said you didn't know, even know whether to celebrate or not. That's correct. And, you know, the day before when the coach announced the squad, I, I was very surprised because I think I was with the club for like 10 days. And then... You played the best team in the world at the time because they won the treble, you know, they won the Champions League, the FA Cup, the league, and you put in the starting eleven to go and prove yourself. And I know, I remember my wife was in South Africa and she was going crazy trying to buy a decoder because at the time decoders, you know, were the thing to buy to get English football. She couldn't get a decoder, so my agent had to, you know, at the time send messages and stuff. But I said, and she still asked me the question, what are you going to do when you score? And I was no, I was obviously quite blunt at the time. I said, don't be stupid, it's United. Who's going to score against United? So, if you see that first goal, they headed, when it went in, you can see my, you know, the jubilee. I was just, I was running. If the gates weren't closed or somebody didn't tackle me or grab me, I probably would have ran out of the stadium. But uh, that that was the excitement, you know, on the day of scoring against the best team in the world. Uh, and let me tell you the funny story about this, that game as well, because after the game, Quinton comes to me very upset, not excited for me to have scored, upset because he said, I told Ferguson, I told these players, don't give him space in the box. He's very good with the head. Anything with the head, he's going to score. So <laughs> it was quite quite uh, yeah, amusing that he was upset uh, for his defenders not marking me. That's a great story. We're going to have to leave it here just because of time, Coach. But hopefully when we find yeah. time again, we'll no catch problem. up and look more in detail with your time at Charlton Athletic because you spent Most a welcome. lot of years there mm. and you came back and you went to Kaiser Chiefs and you also guided Golden Arrows, of course, from the First Division to the Premiership. But we yeah. appreciate the time you've given us. Thank you, Thank Coach. You. We just wanted to bring you on, highlight what you've done and give you the respect that you deserve. Thank you very much, Tabitha. And I appreciate also making the time, you know. And, and that's, you know, I know one of your listeners said... Um, you know, sometimes the 96 quarter entitled. It's not about being entitled. It's about celebrating these people while they're still alive. You know, you don't want to speak about them when they're gone. And then, you know, these guys won't hear things like this. So I, I, I do appreciate also making the time for making, yeah, yeah listening Thanks. to my story. Thanks, Coach. And by the way, there are good things happening at Cape Town Spurs. They won Bay Hill, coached by Coach Duncan Crowey. Saw them at Engine today playing some good football with Masbu and the other coaches on the bench. So it looks like uh, their future is bright today at Cape Town Spurs. We really have to leave it here for now for time. We apologies for the late start. Load shading affected us there. Uh, but yeah, that's how life is in Mzansi. <laughs>